details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Finally, a guy in broadcasting that represents the very average side of us all. The following broadcast is in the hands of a college-educated, barely-employed guy that does a podcast for an audience of fewer people than Paris Hilton has brain cells. It's hard to imagine that he's perpetually single. Now, from the middle of desert Urbania, this is Michael Groth in Exile. Somebody look out. Uh, There's an open microphone. Don't tell Carly Fiorina about it. Yeah, I mean, are we on? (laughs) Better watch what you say. (laughs) All right, welcome in another edition of Michael Groff in Exile. Kicking ass just like the president. Yeah. Well, that's what he says he's doing, or he, he's trying to find out who's asked to kick or something. I'm trying to find out who's asked to kick because life sucks. That's all right. Look, um, here we are. We're back. We are live uh, behind the microphone once again for another edition. Michael Graff in exile underway. It is Thursday, and it's June the 10th. 2010. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. Mike at KMGX.com. That's also our PayPal address, should you want to make a contribution to this program. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name available 24-7 for you to drop in your messages to the program. Also, for more information about this program, all of the stuff that just the various ways you can get in touch with me and of course all the new episodes posted right over there at the one the only michaelgroff.com alright summer has arrived it was 110 over the weekend uh, my allergies uh, have been kicking my ass the last several days I don't know what's going on with that. Supposedly during the summer, there's just the allergies are supposed to get a little bit better. Uh, They have not to this point. I don't know what's going on there, but that's that's just been the case. Oh, there is so much to talk about. It's just going to be another one of those shows. God, maybe we can keep the podcast under two hours today. What do you think? (laughs) All right, well, I'm off to a running start because I'm already 
I'm ready to tell you about it. You know this is the part of the show. There's all kinds of news out there. There's what the gatekeepers of the news, the Fox News, the CNN, the MSNBC, the ABC, CBS, NBC, AP, everybody else. There's what everybody else tells you is the big news across this country of ours. But really, all that matters is what I think is news. People are idiots. Everyone has their own definition of what's newsworthy. The feeling most people get when they hear a Barack Obama speech, my, I felt this thrill going up my leg. I mean, well, I don't have that too often. I guess some people shouldn't be gatekeepers of the news. <laughs> but lucky for you, the decisions are now in the capable hands of this guy. Wow! It's time now for Michael Graff's seven most salient, salacious, and stimulating storylines of the day. Oh, and I bet you can probably imagine some of the stuff that's on our list, right? Number seven. Yes, game uh, game one. Game four of the NBA Finals going on tonight. Celtics, Lakers from Boston. From the former Garden. Whatever the hell the name of that dump is now where they play. I know it used to be the Fleet Center. Then it was just, I don't know, they... They name that thing something different every single day. That's one of the only arenas I don't even know the name of it. And I don't really care because, quite frankly, this series is over. It's over! It's too bad, too. But the Celtics are trying to go up three games, or the Lakers trying to go up three games to one on the Celtics tonight. And uh, probably will do so. Believe me, I'm not rooting for the Lakers. I can't stand the Lakers. You know that. And it's time for the it's time for the 10 seconds that we're going to devote to talking hockey on this show. The Blackhawks win the Stanley Cup Finals. And they hoist Lord Stanley's Cup. And that's the end of the, our hockey coverage for this year. Congratulations to the Chicago Blackhawks stomping the crap out of the Philadelphia Flyers. There you go. That's our hockey talk for the entire year. I hope you enjoyed it. Number six. The only thing lower than hockey ratings right now, the Obama ratings. Oh, look, Gallup has uh, actually, this is, yes, this is the new, uh, the new Gallup poll out. Obama's numbers, now his approval rating at 44%. He's hitting new lows in everywhere. He's hitting news, uh, new lows with the Pew Research. Uh, uh, let's see here with uh, CNN, USA Today, Gallup poll, CBS polls, all the poll numbers for Barack Obama, not very favorable. Is that a surprise given how everything's going? Number five. And the one thing that you should always know about broadcasting and the first thing that you're taught in the broadcast school, even though I've never been to broadcast school because it's a waste of time, but... The first thing that they probably will teach you is if there's a microphone around, watch your language, watch what you say, because you never know what idiot left the microphone open. It does happen, even to us broadcast professionals, even us highly trained board operators and everything like that. People leave the microphones open, and then sometimes you say something stupid, and that exact same thing just happened to Carly Fiorina. She is the big former muckety-muck over there at HP. She's now running against Barbara Boxer in the Senate race in California. And she looked like maybe she was getting some 
gaining some traction there. And then she makes this catty little comment. Now, of course, she didn't know the mic was open. And this was during a whole taping, a whole thing that went on before she was set to do a round of interviews. And she sort of screwed up and she said she talked about Barbara Boxer's hair. We'll get into it, believe me, but I mean, it is kind of a stupid controversy, but it's a legitimate controversy nonetheless. Number four. New York bracing for chaos. If the New York legislator doesn't uh, get this budget approved, if they don't get the budget pushed through, uh, it's going to be hell in New York. Now, we've heard that many times before, but this... I mean, how hard could it be to push a budget through in New York? All right, we're just going to spend absolutely everything we get from the taxpayers, and then we're going to raise the taxes more. That's your New York budget. Number three. 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 An unbelievable story. Unbelievable. There's a scandal going on at Arlington Cemetery. Uh, Bodies, they don't know some of the who the bodies are, who the graves are, what, what bodies are buried in what graves. Whose body belongs where, they don't really know. They have a lot of things mixed up over there, and that's pretty bad considering that that's a burial ground for some American heroes. It's it's not a story that's getting a lot of traction, a lot of play in the media, but it is it's an important story to me. Number two. Two. Is there anything that lawyers won't defend? There's a lawyer that is defending some of those Somali pirates. Remember the pirates that were out there terrorizing uh, folks across uh, off of the coast of India and uh, around uh, the Horn of Africa there? Uh, Some of these, of course, are Somali pirates. And when we say Somali pirates, I also want to point out that they are Islamic. I'm not making an issue about it. I'm just saying they belong to the religion of peace and uh, they were causing some chaos. Well, no, you're kidding. But according to this lawyer, according to their defense attorney, well, I'll just tease it by saying you won't believe what the defense lawyer says about the Somali pirates. (laughs) Well, look, the shoe bomber got representation. So anybody can get representation by a lawyer. I've come to that conclusion. Number one. Number one. Obama to meet with uh, BP Chair Hayward, and they're going to talk. And uh, he's, I guess, is that one of the guys whose ass he's going to kick? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm hard, having a hard time keeping track. I don't see what good a meeting with this guy, this uh, Tony Hayward, who's the chair of BP. I don't see what the point of meeting with this guy is. What are you going to do? You're going to talk to him about the oil that's spilled? Well, what are you doing? You see, I think the president will probably say something to him like, well, I, well I, at least I would hope he would say to the guy, well, what can we do to help you? But the problem is these BP guys not exactly playing ball right now and not exactly getting the job done. And Obama's not exactly getting the job done either. And the American people are getting sick of BP. They're getting sick of the president. They're just getting sick and tired of everybody. And they're kind of wanting some answers because now oil is washing up on the shores. And I'm not, uh, listen, again, I'm not a guy that sits here and spins it. You want a spin job, you can go listen to Randy Rhodes or one of these guys, these Mike Malloys, and they'll tell you that 800 bazillion gallons of oil have been spilled into the Gulf. 
and that it, the, the Gulf, it's actually not, not even water anymore. It's nothing but oil. And we're all going to die and the whole world's going to explode. We're going to spontaneously combust. On the other hand, you listen to some guys um, like Brit Hume who, who tell you that it's the equivalent of spilling like two drops of oil and it's no big deal at all. Yeah, there is no oil spill. Once again, as always, when it comes... And this maybe this is why I don't have the, the major syndicated radio job. Maybe this is exactly why I'm not on... 500 radio stations. Ladies and gentlemen, with talented load from God. Because I'm not willing to come out and take some extremist position like, all right, everybody's dead. That's it. Planet over. Environment ruined. Everything's dead. We're done. We're toast as humanity. Son of a bitch. These, uh, these, these damn CEOs and the corporations ruining everything. Or on the other side, oh, come on. It's, it's like nothing at all. It's not BP's fault. It's the president's fault. He actually blew up the oil rig. You see, it's time maybe, and this has been my stance on this show for, well, basically the 10 years I've been doing this now. It's time to maybe talk some common sense. It's time to maybe uh, sit here and and let's, let's be a little sensible about all this. Well, you know how that is. All right. Anyway, that's just some of the stuff. And believe me, there's a lot more. That's just some of the stuff that's on my radar right now. Who needs billion-dollar cable news when you've got Michael Graff? I mean, really, we need to have some sort of uh, meeting in the middle. And I'm not trying to be one of these guys that's going to come on and say, all right, let's all be centrists. Let's all just take a position somewhere nicely here in the middle and have a sit-down little powwow and sing kumbaya and we'll talk about it. No. There's blame to go around. But for any one side to blame any other side and say that they're more culpable than the other. And then to to just blame the Bush administration. Look, guys, it's 2010. Bush isn't in office. All right. Here's what you need to know. Uh, BP was cutting corners. Uh, they were not practicing good safety in spite of their their own award that they were giving themselves they're, they're not necessarily look if you make if you cut corners on safety and nothing bad happens it doesn't mean you're running a safe outfit it just means that nothing bad has happened yet and therefore it gives the appearance that things are safe but when something goes bad and then all these documents come out that oh uh, by the way you were sort of cutting corners and and oh look the, this is uh, this could have been prevented all of a sudden you look like the bad guy and then when your ceo dares to go on tv and when he dares to make comments like i just want my life back do you believe this that this guy this this head of bp this tony hayward he actually went up there and said i just want my life back yeah, well, I'm guessing the 11 people that died on the oil rig probably want their lives back, too. I'm guessing. But see, they can't get their lives back because, yeah, they're kind of dead right now. And I'm sure the fishermen that are along the Gulf Coast, they would probably like their lives back as well. But see, they can't because there's about 40 million gallons of oil that have spilled into the Gulf. And who cares what the number is? It's enough to make it so they can't do their job as fishermen. It's enough to where we have damaged the ecosystem in the Gulf. 
And you can try and tell me that we haven't, and you can try and tell me that they're going to go out there and clean it up, and it's going to be just fine and dandy all you want. But so far, all I'm hearing is a lot of BS, and I'm not seeing a lot of results. I'm seeing a lot more oil being spilled in the Gulf. And I'm seeing the, and then I'm seeing everybody playing a game of CYA. You've got everybody from the president who's playing CYA here. He's at first he's being calm, cool and collected. He's being the president. He's he's getting out there. That they're firing up that teleprompter left and right for the guy so we can go out there and make these speeches. Well, we've been on the scene since day one, and we were pre-deploying. And he's got he's got all the spin doctors. He's got Manjan up there saying the same thing. Well, uh, we've been up there since day one, and. Uh, you know, uh, we were pre-deploying and pre-positioning. Words that don't even exist. We were pre-deploying and pre-positioning. So the American people don't know who to be upset with. They want somebody to step up and be accountable about it. Barack Obama tried to do that, but then he's out there pointing the finger at BP. I'm going to meet with the head of BP. And then he, he gets on TV and he says, I don't know who's asked to kick or I'm going to figure out who's asked to kick. And again, that's not being crass. That's just using the president's own words. Well, last week, he he finally got out there after a bunch of people said that he was just being too lackadaisical on all of this. You had guys like Spike Lee saying the president just needs to get up and mad. And then, well, we heard last week, he got pissed. I mean, listen to this vitriol coming from the president. I am furious. He was mad. You could just hear it right there. That was just... I am furious. I've never heard a president get more fired up than that right there. So now he's out there saying this. You talk to these folks because they potentially had the best answers, so I know who's asked to kick. Boy, I'm telling you right now, I know Tony Hayward has got to be quivering in his boots at the thought of meeting with such an angry president right now. A guy that, oh yeah, he took some money from the oil companies when he ran. I am furious. I know, Mr. President, you are upset and you're looking to kick ass and take some names. Well, uh, maybe. Okay, I got I got more excited than the president there. And I'm just on the radio. But see, I'm looking for accountability. And what I'm seeing is a president that's looking to kick somebody's ass because he's seeing the American public is turning on him. You look at these polls down to 44%, 40%, depending on what poll you look at. You look at the American people are turning on BP. And you can sit there and anybody that tries to defend BP right now and anybody that says, well, I mean, really, we've got to stop this uh, batching of BP and big oil and all this. Listen, I don't want to hear the words big oil. I just want to hear that BP is just as accountable, or I should really say Transocean. We should really sort of deflect from saying BP and say Transocean, and BP is part of the equation here. But see, I understand, in a way, I do sympathize with the president, and this is not me being facetious. I do, in a sense, because on one side, he's got the American people saying, hey, we're not seeing the federal response. This is, in essence, your Hurricane Katrina. This is, in essence, your Iran-Contra or your whatever scandal comes along. This is yours. How are you going to deal with it? So on one hand, you get the American people that are saying we want some accountability. On the other hand, you have businesses that are pressuring the president. And I'm talking about the fishing industry down there, the tourism industry, everybody like that is pressuring the White House. And then... The other aspect of this story that's very interesting is you've got you've got people in, in like the mayor of London right now and they're saying, "Hey, stop bashing BP. This is ours. This is our baby. This is our economy right here that you're running into the ground, Mr. President. We don't need the president of the United States kicking BP's ass." 
So he's feeling pressure on all sides. And incidentally, for England to sit there and try and defend British Petroleum, and I realize it's theirs and it's their baby and it's their economy, and uh, that's really the literally the words that I heard out of the mouths of some of the talking heads over there. This is our economy. Well, um, your economy then really made a big mistake and they're going to have to write a lot of checks. And if they think they're going to get away with writing a check for like a billion dollars and they're going to get out of it with a billion bucks, they're not. This is a problem and this is a problem that's going to go on. Unfortunately, as I always say on this show, we are a reactionary people. And so the reaction has been, well, we're going to stop all deep water drilling. We're going to do a moratorium on deep water drilling. Well, you know who's not doing a moratorium on deep water drilling? Everybody else. That's not the answer. The answer, if you want to prevent something like this from happening again, is to make sure that a company is operating within some type of safety standard. And that when documents come out that show that they were... Uh, not keeping up with the safety standards, then somebody needs to be held accountable. That's the problem. There's accountability issues here. And unfortunately, you don't see the Republicans nor the Democrats really pursuing BP on this one. And you're not going to see them going after BP. There's going to be a half-hearted attempt, just like there was to go after Exxon. But you know what? The thing about the... Remember the Exxon Valdez, what a lot of people don't remember about it was... Congress really, they didn't want to go after that. They didn't want to get involved in that. They don't want to get involved in oil company biz. You know why? Because most politicians, and this is the part where both sides need to listen up very carefully and take the partisan wax out of their ears, okay? Both sides, Republicans, Democrats, ours, MDs alike, are funded by the oil companies. That's who gives them a good big old fat check. Now, not everybody, not everybody that's in Congress is put there by oil money. I'm not going to go all conspiracy theorist on you. I'm just telling you, if, if we want to talk about the reality of this issue, we need to talk about the reality being that this is where this is, especially given that this is an election year. A disaster like this, there's never a good time for it. But if there, if there has to be a disaster, this is the time for it because this is where the American people are going to finally get to do something and hold the feet of their elected representatives to the fire. And they're going to have to say to their elected representatives, you need to do something here. We've got a major crisis. We have a legit. We have dispersants that are being put in the water. You have reports of of people that are are having upper respiratory problems. Uh, reports of people experiencing nausea, dizziness, etc. Uh, as a result of being down there on the Gulf dealing with this on a regular basis, trying to clean up this mess. You have that as a major issue. Look, this is where the people say. Something needs to be done. This is a watershed moment. This is a, a turning point. And I can tell you that the party that's in power right now is in trouble. And the party that just so happens to be in power right now, the Democrats, they are in trouble. And make no mistake, this is a, a disaster for their party. This is a disaster if you're talking strictly politics. This is a disaster for the presidency. I warned you about this guy. I warned you about him. You need a leader in a time of 
tragedy, in a time of disaster, in a time where you need leadership, you have to have it, and you have a guy that doesn't know how to lead. Why? Because he doesn't have executive experience. And, well, let's not forget that, you know, he does have sort of a, a hand in his back pocket from the oil industry. Let's not forget that. See, everybody says it's only the Republicans that are funded by so-called big oil. That's a myth. They all are. Well, not all. Again, the word all, way too inclusive. A majority are. And that's dangerous. That's very dangerous because now you're seeing the consequences. I look at this as a golden opportunity for the United States people to rise up. And I've said that 2010, this is going to be the year where incumbents are tossed out on their ass. And we've seen some signs of that across in some of these primaries that have gone on in some states already. Back on uh, June 8th here. What is today? Yeah, on June 8th, we had some primaries that went on. And there are some stifling numbers here. There's some stifling things that went on. Now, there are some of the so-called corporate Democrats and corporate Republicans that still won this. Blanche Lincoln, for example, who's a Democrat in, in Arkansas. Well, look, she, uh, I, she... Let's see. I'm just, I'm looking here. I'm looking at all the results. Yeah, you're talking about Blanche Lincoln. There's, there's a corporate Democrat. You know, um, again, I'm not, I'm not anti-corporate. I'm not anti-oil company. I'm right now, I'm, I'm not even anti-BP. Now you'd think with this last uh, 20 minutes that we've done on, on this issue, you'd think, oh my God, Mike, you're just, you're, you're railing on BP. You're anti-BP. You just hate BP. I don't hate BP. See, that's the thing. I don't hate them. I hate the way they've handled this. And based on what I'm reading about how they're handling their business, I'm not a fan of their business. I, I understand BP right now is, is it's, it's sort of a, a perverse situation that you're in if you're down in the Gulf. People along the Gulf Coast probably hate BP right now, but they probably also love them because guess what? BP is providing jobs. They made a big mess and now they need people to help clean it up. And yeah, the fishing industry, they're out of work. But now you got these guys that have been running these fishing boats. Well, they're going to need jobs. And some of them might be able to join up with BP for the moment. So it's in a, in a very perverse way. It's sort of the only game in town down there right now. That's the really sad part. This is, this is all something that could have been prevented. And that's really the point to all of this. It's something that could have been prevented. I'm not an environmentalist nut job. I don't put on the tinfoil hat, but I do know that if you spill a whole bunch of oil into the Gulf of Mexico or into any body of water, it's bad, okay? I, I don't have a degree in biochemistry. I don't have a degree in marine biology. But I do know that oil, that petroleum not a good thing to have in the water i know that the garbage patch that's floating out there in the in in the ocean the pacific that's not good either 
I know that dumping our garbage into the ocean is not good. It doesn't mean I'm an environmentalist nut job. It doesn't mean that I'm going to come on the air and make some silly statement like, we're losing 5% of our rainforests every year. Well, in 20 years, they'd be all gone and they've been saying it for 30 and the rainforests are still here. So uh, might want to change your math. So I'm not one of these nuts. And I'm not one of these people that says, if you don't recycle, you're worse than Hitler. Okay, I don't do that. Again, I'm common sense, all right? I'm the average guy. I'm the average guy that's sitting here right now, the average American that's sitting here right now behind a microphone, and I'm telling you that what we have here in the Gulf of Mexico is a big disaster that somebody needs to be held accountable for and needs to be cleaned up. Now, there are solutions. Uh, there's one solution that I've heard floated out there that they used with the Exxon uh, Valdez situation. They they used uh, micro, um, like these little microbes that went out there and, and took care of some of the problem. So, and I don't claim to know a whole lot about it. I, I was looking into it before the show and, but that's one technology or that's one thing that they can use. These little microorganisms that go out there to help this situation. But this is worse than the Exxon Valdez. This is worse than, uh, than a, a situation where you've got, and that was a lot of oil. Don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing what happened there, but this is just way worse. And you're talking about a supply we don't even know how much oil is sitting under there that can be leaking out. This could be leaking out for months, years, who knows? Who knows? So I don't want to hear spin. I don't want to hear spin on one side that says, ah, what oil leak? And I don't want to hear spin on the other side that says we're all doomed and everybody's going to explode and you know, it's all Bush's fault. And you know, I don't want to hear that. What I'd really like to hear are some solutions. And I'd like to hear them... Yesterday, that's what I want. So I'm going to hold the president somewhat accountable. I'm going to hold government somewhat accountable. And if you try to come at me with, well, Mike, you're one of these guys that says the government should be out of our business. Well, yes, I am one of those people that says that. I'm one of those people that says the government shouldn't be involved. But guess what? Here's, here's the thing. If we have a, a FEMA and if we have the system in place for response to this, and if we expect the president and the federal government to respond to this, then why haven't they? Why has it taken so long? You know, we're, we're pouring dispersants into the water. That's great. We'll fight one dangerous chemical with another. Very brilliant. Oh. It's enough to drive you crazy. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. I don't want to toot my own horn here. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have a special pipe created so I can blow smoke up my own ass. But I really think that I'm one of the few people that's coming at this from a common sense standpoint. The, the guy, the BP guy, I just want my life back. What an arrogant... And then the he, he goes down there. You got a representative from BP down on the Gulf, and he's being asked questions by the mayors of these towns. He's just blowing them off. Unbelievable. All right, look. I'm going to I'm gonna have to calm down. It's Michael Graff in exile on a Thursday back after this.
Michael Graff in exile on a Thursday. Segment two, redo or redux. Yeah, this is the problem with doing the show in the way that we do it now. So we used to do these shows live every evening, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And what would happen is, you know, the show would go out live and it was uh, like dual recorded. I had a recording, I had a backup system and everything like that. So just in case of what just happened happened there, I at least had a, a system of a backup. Actually, I had three recordings because then we had um, an affiliate. At least we had, we always had at least one affiliate and we sometimes had many affiliates that carried the show live as well so that then they, they would sort of um, have a backup recording as well just in case we needed that, at least a stream recording, which was better than nothing. Unfortunately, uh, we don't have that system in place. This is why I need to really go back to doing the shows live, I think. It's just, it's getting ridiculous. Anyway, bumpers on uh, tonight's program brought to you by uh, some guy that wrote in. He sent a list of songs that he'd like to hear for bumpers. And uh, he has like a whole list here. But So we're, we're going to pick and choose. So you want to have a comment, suggestion, question, or maybe you want to send in a list of bumpers or whatever, you can always do so. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. This is always a song if you're in radio. You never want to play if you have to go to the bathroom. Because this song's only like two and a half minutes long. Jones. I actually have the Jesus Jones CD, but it's, uh, well, this obviously was the only hit, and this is not the album version. The album version is actually longer. It has like a bridge in the middle and everything. We had to go dig that up someday. But we're all about the uh, the radio uh, versions here in the studio. That's what we have dubbed into the system, so that's what you get to hear. Lucky you. All right. Well, we are back. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, MichaelGraff.com. I should also mention that for all things Michael Graff related. Here's a, an interesting story. And this just goes to show you the depths that lawyers will go to. Obviously, we know that there are some attorneys that will represent anybody. I am certain that if Hitler were alive, if he had not killed himself in World War II, I'm sure that had he lived through that, he would have had many people that would have rushed to his defense even during the Nuremberg trials and all of this, you know that there would have been people, the Germans would have come in there and said, fair, you know, because as it was, fair, we were just following orders. Yeah, yeah, we were just following orders. The, the Fuhrer told us to put the Jews in the ovens and, uh, and the Russians and all these t- kinds of things. You can't really blame us. We were just following orders. Yeah. So I, I understand, and I'm sure Hitler would have just gone up there and, and said, I'm not going to answer any of your questions. I'm not. I'm going to sit here. Ava, Ava and I, we're not going to answer any of the questions that you have for us. Sorry. Get the hell out of here. So uh, I know that there are lawyers that would represent anybody. And once again, we have more definitive evidence of this. We have lawyers that are willing to represent the Somali pirates. Yes, you might remember the, the seas off the coast of Africa and off the coast of India and all over the place just littered with these uh, Somali pirates. And let's just call them what they are as well. They are indeed <clears throat> Islamic. Hello. And they are being represented uh, by a guy in, uh, they're being, let's see, tried in Virginia. 
and represented by an attorney. And you have to hear this defense. This is unbelievable. So these these Somali nationals, the lawyer wants them dismissed because he says the defendants did not take over or rob the U.S. Navy ship that they're accused of attacking. See, he's using the defense that piracy actually means literal piracy. It means theft. It means to actually board a ship. It's sort of, yar, we're boarding a ship. You got to walk the plank, matey, yar. Probably because these guys didn't do that either. Yes, we're going to make you walk the plank, sir. The defendants are being held in trial, on trial in Norfolk for piracy and other charges stemming from an April 10th attack on the USS Ashland in the Gulf of Aden off of Somalia's pirate-infested coast. Their skiff was destroyed during the encounter. Now, here's, here's the lawyer. Uh, quote, the parties dispute what prompted the USS Ashland to destroy the small vessel, the attorneys argued in a motion filed in U.S. District Court in Norfolk. Quote, and this is the best part. But there is absolutely no dispute that the defendants did not take control of the USS Ashland, did not board her, and did not successfully obtain anything of value from her. The motion cites an 1820 court case that defines piracy as the seizing and robbing of a vessel at sea. The attorneys said that there is no evidence that the six men took control of or robbed the ship. Now, uh, the government has a, uh, they, they say that um, they're filing a motion. They're filing a response in court. And my inside sources tell me that the response goes something like this. <laughs> yeah, right. Is that all you got? And actually, it says that right here on this, uh, on this paper from my inside source. It says, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, right. Is that all you got? Question mark, question mark. That's actually a double question mark. It's worthy of the double question mark. Really, that's that's the type of defense that the attorney comes up with. Man, I've really got to be an attorney. I've uh, I've recently been asked what I'd like to do because, you know, right now, the, the whole career thing, the job market is really bad. The radio career thing, you know, with the podcast and everything, it's great, but it's really not exactly where I want to be. All right. So the conversation comes up all the time. Come on, Mike, do you, maybe you should go back to school. And I, my response is typically, well, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. But maybe sometimes I am fascinated by law. I'm fascinated by constitutional law, especially cases about constitutional law. Anything that has to do with this nation and preserving and, and protecting the laws of, of this nation and our constitution, those do fascinate me. And in a sense, I've always been interested in the law. I used to read law books for Christ's sake. I was one of these guys that was really into law and legal stuff. I'd watch court TV and the judge shows. Anything from, from civil cases, small claims, all the way on up into superior court. I actually enjoyed the idea of being selected for a jury duty. See, that's how sick I am. I was always interested. It was, it's sort of a sub-interest. It ranks below meteorology and radio for me and all of this kind of stuff, the broadcasting aspect. But it was always sort of a, a passive interest, at least, and now it's become a lot more of an interest. And I, I really have taken an interest in law. And I, I, don't, I don't think I have the, the, the makeup to become an attorney. I'm not really that slimy of a human being. Um, I, I have never slithered away. 
but really, I mean, there are actually a lot of good attorneys out there and, and it is fascinating in, in a sense. So maybe if I ever did go back to school, maybe that would be it. Maybe I would. Maybe I would go to law school. Nothing hipper than a 32 year old guy that goes to law school. Right. But I can tell you that the problem is, is that then somebody would try to have me represent some scumbag or a group of scumbags like these Somali pirates. And then I would have to just, um, well, I'd say, you know what? Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they'd say, well, here's a great big check. And then I'd say, where do I sign? Because once I become an attorney, I immediately sign on the dotted line, selling my dignity and soul to the devil. I'm pretty sure. The six defendants accused in the attack on the docked landing ship are among 11 Somali men captured by the Navy off the coast of Africa. Five were caught on March 31st. And let's see, uh, after uh, they uh, fired on a suspected uh, on on a ship and then their vessel was sank. Uh, the men are charged with piracy, attacks to plunder a vessel, assault with dangerous weapons, and other weapons uh, counts. Piracy carries a mandatory life sentence. Yes, mandatory life sentence. All 11 have pleaded not guilty, of course. The 11 had been held on U.S. ships for weeks as officials decided whether and where they could be prosecuted, and they finally settled on Norfolk, Virginia. The motion to dismiss was among several filed on Wednesday. Um, let's see. One attorney also asked for a, to move the trial, saying that a fair trial couldn't be had in Norfolk, which is a Navy town. Another stated that the men who were in the skiff destroyed by the Ashland were... Um, ferrying refugees and were not engaged in piracy. And also they, they argued that with their skiff having been sank by the Navy, all evidence has been destroyed. So there's, so really uh, the U S Navy, they got nothing on these guys. Oh, except for maybe the fact that they shot at them and maybe there's probably, there's probably some bullet holes someplace and there's, I don't know, dozens of witnesses that saw them doing this. Let's not forget that. I don't know if I had if I was a judge or if I was a jury and I had a bunch of people in front of me. I had I had these Somali pirates. And then I had, I don't know, a few dozen people from the Navy that were sitting there telling me, oh, yeah, they fired on our ship and they uh, attacked us. And I had other ships in the area that had reported this as well. And all of these people had been known to be Somali pirates. Let's see. I wonder which way I would lean. Hmm. Oh, my goodness. But that's not all. No, there's there's more. We got We've got other stuff here. This is kind of crazy. You know, uh, coming up by, I guess, next week, they say that chaos and anarchy could be breaking out across the state of New York. Yeah, more than there already is. New York Governor David Patterson says that indeed chaos and anarchy could be coming. He's warning that if uh, the state's budget isn't ratified, if they don't get a new budget by the state legislature, they're just going to have to shut down the damn state. Everything's going to be shut down. Well, I don't know. That's actually, that doesn't seem like such a bad idea to me. They've been deadlocked. The state legislature has been deadlocked for the last 71 days in the budget. And they're ready to just pull the big red switch that says off. And they're just going to shut down the government. 
Quote, no one knows the full ramifications of a government shutdown, said Patterson. Quote, it would create unmitigated chaos around the state and the greater metropolitan areas. Such chaos includes closing all state parks, motor vehicles offices, courts, and even the lottery. Now, wait a second. If you shut down the lottery, that's it. It's game over. If people can't get their lottery tickets, uh, then there is going to be chaos. I, I don't know. I don't know what New Yorkers, I don't know what people in general would do if they if they couldn't get their lottery tickets. Uh, let's see, public assistant payments. They wouldn't be able to be made. Unemployment payments might also be held up. And you have these two, you have a couple of guys uh, in their state Senate that are holding things up as well. You have uh, Senator Ruben Diaz, Ruben Diaz Sr. from the Bronx, And also Senator Pedro Espada, both Democrats from the Bronx, uh, they're not willing to go along with this because they don't want the budget to be cut any further. Now, some guys want more cuts. Uh, See, here's the thing. Uh, They say that uh, they're planning about $250 million in cuts. They want, some of these guys want as much as $750 million in new cuts. They want, uh, here's some of the things that are, are, they want in the, um, in the bill here. This is what some, this is what, where some of the sticking points are for the New York state budget. They want to delay the 10% welfare grant increase, withholding welfare from those who don't comply with unemployment requirements, reducing the personal needs allowances of people in drug and alcohol programs. Diaz, one of the guys, Diaz, says he won't go along with this if if that's included. The other guy, this other guy, Espada, says that he thinks there might be a budget deal in the offing. But he said, quote, I would vote no if such a measure, uh, if such a massive cut were uh, to be included because the state needs a fiscal plan. So if we start making these budget cuts, if we actually try to cut back because, you know, we're actually in debt right now, if we try to make these cuts, that's just not going to fly. We're not going to allow that. I'm sorry. I can just see what the New York legislature looks like right now. You've got one guy screaming, No, I want to raise taxes to 60%. No, I want to raise taxes 70%, asshole. They're just yelling back and forth. They can't, they can't figure out how much they want to raise the taxes on people. Cut the budget. Cutting the budget in the New York legislature, that's like cursing at them. They'll throw you right out of there. They might find a way to hold you in contempt. (laughs) They could. Budget cuts. That's like, that's pretty much, that's fiction in the New York state legislature. There's no such thing as budget cuts when it comes to New York. You're not going to get that. All right, Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, Net Radio, the channel. You know, the second time I did this segment now, it's, it's a lot shorter of a segment. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, well, then you weren't paying attention. All right. Uh, bumpers provided by a guy named CJ who sent me his email and gave me a list of songs he wanted to play. So I, I don't get this song at all. All right, I've never understood this song, but uh, 
for some reason it was popular for a while. So, Mike at KMGX.com, you want to send us an email, comment, question, suggestion, anything of the sort. Maybe you want to co-host a show or host a best of the Michael Grob show some point. Sure. Why not? Go ahead. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. All things Michael Groff related found at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. More coming up. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Thursday. Back after this. Accident and caught and come to school, but when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white. All right, back with segment number three. It's Michael Groff in exile on a Thursday. That it was from when the cousin smashed so hard. Bumpers. Provided by CJ, who sent me a whole list of songs that he wanted, and well, these were some of the uh, better ones. I, I, some of the songs that he suggested, we don't even have them. So, as I mentioned, and it's probably better that way. He actually wanted me to play DMX. That's too much. All right. Mike at KMGX.com, the email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. You want to pass along something to the program, contribute. Maybe you want to uh, host the best of editions of the Michael Grav Show, or perhaps you'd like to co-host with us. Well, possible. Send me an email, Mike at KMGX.com. Also, that's our PayPal address. You want to contribute to the program monetarily. We certainly do accept that, don't we? Yes. The royal we, you know. Michael Grav Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And of course, for all things Michael Grav related, you can always go to the one, the only, michaelgrav.com. It would be, it's kind of pretentious when I host my own best of shows. It makes me sound a little bit too over the top, like Carly Fiorina. Oh, we have quite a controversy with her, don't we? This is, um, well, I guess it's getting just a little bit out of hand, wouldn't you say? Of course, Carly Fiorina, she's the former big muckety-muck over at HP. And she's ensconced in quite a controversy because while she was being prepared for an interview with a station in Sacramento someplace, she was getting mic'd up and she was talking to the people around her. You can kind of get the impression that she's a little bit pretentious. Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe just a little bit pompous. And so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she makes a comment about Barbara Boxer's hair. And she says, oh, my God, her hair. Is, that's terrible. It's so yesterday. She's a former cancer survivor. Barbara Boxer is another woman, you know. And, and I hate to make this point, but it does come across as really kind of catty. It comes across as really amateurish when the best insult that you can come up with about your opponent is her hair. 
And if you wonder why sometimes female candidates get made fun of and why sometimes female candidates, especially, let's just call a spade a spade, especially conservative female candidates, you wonder why sometimes they get a bad rap. Well, it's because they do stupid things and they say stupid things like this. And I realize you didn't realize, you didn't understand that there was an open mic around there and you didn't expect this to get out anywhere. What you should do is you should assume that while you're running for a public office, anything and everything you say could potentially be used against you. Consider it like being arrested because that's really kind of what it's like. If you're out there and you're running for public office, somewhere, somehow, things that you say, even if you think that you're saying them privately, even if you're in a private room someplace, someone might hear them and someone might leak them. Even the people that are close to you, even people around you. So go ahead and assume that and then act professionally. When I walk into a room and I see a microphone, I don't curse. It's just my natural reaction. Because I've always just been trained that when you have a microphone, it could be open someplace. You could potentially be on the air. You don't know. So don't curse. I've been in many radio studios and I know the mics were off the board. I, I, I know how to run a board. I've seen everything's potted down. All the everything's turned off. But I still don't curse at a microphone. I don't do it. Because, you, I don't know, you just never know. You just go ahead and assume that you don't do that. And when you're a candidate running for office, you should just go ahead and assume that a microphone that's around you is always open, even if it may not be, even if it's physically disconnected. Just go ahead and assume that it's live, that it's hot, as we say in the biz. Just go ahead and assume that. It just sounds stupid and it sounds amateurish. And I know this is really something that shouldn't be blown up to anything bigger than it is. And I know I already had a discussion with a guy today that said, well, Mike, Barbara Boxer has proven herself to be a racist time and time again. And Barbara Boxer is, look, that's fine. That's great. Barbara Boxer is a lot of things. And I am no fan of Barbara Boxer. All right. I get it. But when you have somebody that comes out and makes a stupid statement about that, a cancer survivor, and, you know, this is a, a supposedly a feel-good story, this woman, this Carly Fiorina, she still just shouldn't come out and make dumb statements. It just comes across as really pompous and really sort of catty and bitchy. And it diminishes what else she may have to say. And this is just fodder for the other side to use. And... This further sort of, I guess, splits asunder the Republican Party. And it further splits asunder the general voters. You wonder why so many people are disenfranchised. You wonder why there's such an anti-incumbent sentiment and sort of an anti-corporate sentiment and sort of an anti-established politician sentiment. Well, the reason is, is because you have stuff like this. And I understand that she's not a, uh, what you would call an established candidate. But the reason that this gives you a divide is because people are sick of this kind of garbage. And everyone's human. I know we all comment on people's hair. I make comments about people's personal appearances all the time. You know, we all do. We all make comments. It happens. It's People have those kinds of conversations. So I'm not saying that she's wrong for having, oh my God, she commented on her hair. I'm just saying that it's it's a stupid thing to do. Just shut your mouth. Let's stick to the issues. Go after Barbara Boxer for being a racist if you want because she or whatever you want to do. Go after her for issues, for real issues. Go after her because California is God knows $11.8 billion in debt. Do that. 
But all these other things, it just, it's very amateurish, you know? And this is, again, why women don't necessarily get the respect when running for office that men get. And it's just the reality of it. I know there's a lot of women in positions of power, but it's it's the fight that's ongoing all the time. Understand that women that are in positions of power, they have to fight harder than men to get those positions. And if you disagree with that, well, you're kidding yourselves. You are. You're, you're, you know, look, I understand. We have a we have a female governor in the state of Arizona, Jan Brewer. Now, she wasn't elected to that position. She was a secretary of state. And before that, we had I don't know what we had as governor before that. We had Janet Napolitano. I supposedly she's a woman. I'm tired of these accusations. Of course, I'm a woman. Can't you tell? Can't you see? I'm female. We know, Manjan. We understand. You're a woman. Yes, I'm a woman. And I will... I'll rip off my pants and show you my testicles right now. I mean, my beautiful pendulous breasts. Mm. All right, that was creepy. Thanks, Janet. Thanks for dropping by again. No problem. Look, the point that I was making here is when you have female candidates that do these catty things like call out each other's hair, even if it's not directly in front of a camera, even if it's not intended to get out like that, it winds up getting out. It always gets out. So the bottom line is uh, just don't do it. Okay, just don't. It's bad policy. It's a bad idea. It's stupid. All right. Now, this is a rather disgraceful story, unfortunately. There's an investigation that the Army has just concluded, and they found that potentially hundreds of the remains that are at Arlington National Cemetery have been misidentified, misplaced, or otherwise they just can't account for some of the remains that, have, that are here. This is a scandal that's now marring the reputation of the nation's preeminent burial ground for some of the honored dead since the Civil War. Army Secretary John McHugh announced Thursday that the cemetery's two civilian leaders would be forced to step aside and he appointed a new chief to conduct a more thorough investigation to examine the graves and sort out the mix-up. Quote, I deeply apologize to the families of the honored fallen resting in that hollowed ground who may now question the care afforded to their loved ones. This is what McHugh told a Pentagon news conference. It's just sad. You're talking about some of the greatest American heroes over the last 140 years, 150 years or so, that have been buried here, whose remains are there. People's loved ones, uh, storybook, history book type people that are here. And Arlington National Cemetery is considered among the nation's most hallowed burial sites with more than 300,000 people buried there with military honors, an average of 30 funerals are conducted there every day. Among those buried at the cemetery, now you're wondering who's there. Well, the, any of those, or a lot of those that were killed in Iraq and Afghanistan are there. Those who uh, had service in past conflicts dating all the way back to the Civil War, famous presidents, their spouses, including members of the Kennedy family, they're buried there. So this is, um, there's, there's the investigation that was launched last year after reports of employee misconduct first reported by the website salon.com. 
Led by the services inspector general, Lieutenant General Stephen Whitcomb, the investigation found lax management of the cemetery where employees relied on paper records to manage the dozens of burials each week and maintain thousands of existing grave sites. Whitcomb said that at least 211 remains were identified as potentially mislabeled or misplaced and that there could be more. Quote, we found nothing that was intentional criminal intent or intended sloppiness that caused this. But all of the things in the world, we see this as a zero uh, defect operation, he told reporters. Whitcomb could not say how uh, the mix-up, how old the mix-up remains might be. In other words, how long this was going on. Uh, they um, they say that this has happened. They know that uh, there are three sections, three areas of the cemetery where there are questionable labelings and possible misplaced remains. Those are in sections 59, 65, and 66. Whitcomb said that he did not find, or he, he actually says that he did find two cases of mismarked graves in section 60 the areas for veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan. He said those mistakes have been corrected. Dorothy Nolte, 68, of Burns, Tennessee, said that she learned last year that the remains of her sister, Air Force Master Sergeant Marion Grabe, who had been buried at Arlington Cemetery in March 2008, had been moved to a new gravesite. Nolte said that she went to the Arlington to find out where her sister's urn had been buried, and she found out that it was buried on top of another soldier. So, again, this was this is just a terrible story. It's a very uh, horrible situation, and um, I don't even know how to... I, I can tell you that if any of my family were buried someplace... And then the people that are there to take care of the dead misplace the urn or misplace the body. I'd be pissed off too. Now, I understand you can say, well, Mike, they're dead. I mean, really, what's one gravesite or another? It's not like you actually know. You would expect, though, that these people would take proper care of the dead. You would expect that they would take care of the memories of those who have fought and died for this country. You just sort of anticipate that people at a at a memorial, at a, at a cemetery, would do the honorable thing and that they would take proper care of your loved ones. Yes, I know they're dead. Yes, I know that you don't know where they are, you know, that you don't even know that there's really a body in the ground. For all you know, it could just be a big pile of dirt. But still, it's a duty that they should be taking seriously. People that have fought and died for this country, and no, it's not just some esoteric crap. It's not just some type of, uh, it's not just being patriotic. It's not just you know, speaking in hyperbole here. A very disgraceful story. And as I mentioned in the top of the show, and I know I'm actually giving this more coverage than I planned on it, uh, Celtics, Lakers, game four tonight. Right now as I'm watching, the Lakers have the lead, and it looks like they are going to take a three games to one lead in this series. But who knows? It's early on, and we'll see. But... Uh, I hate the Lakers, hate Kobe, and uh, I mean, uh, Derek Fisher has been great in this series. He's been great in the playoffs, and just when you think this guy is done, he has really stepped up his game. And I will say this, of all the Laker players, I will say Derek Fisher is a classy guy. Um, he 
does good interviews even after Laker losses. The guy is accountable. The guy is there. He speaks to the media. He's not. He doesn't act like a punk, like uh, a certain teammate of his, Kobe Bryant. Um, he's not disrespectful to the media like other teammates. He, this guy is. Uh, he's right there, and he's he's accountable, and that's good for him. And the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup Finals. Good for them. All right, that's your hockey review right there. I don't want anybody to ever tell me I don't talk hockey on this show. I do. Hockey's hockey's huge, man. Look at these ratings. They're, they're, oh, yeah, there's really, you know. The ratings on hockey have actually gotten worse. I didn't think that was possible. They've gotten worse. Literally, negative people are watching. It's, that just seems, the ratings are so bad, they're actually repelling people from neighboring channels. That's how bad the hockey ratings are. Hold on. Who's, somebody's on the phone. Uh, what's up? Hey, uh, sorry for interrupting the show, but uh, what, what do you do when it sticks to your leg? What do you mean when it sticks to what sticks to your leg? Your sack. What do you do when your sack sticks to your leg? Oh. Uh, well, you know, listen, uh, I know this time of year it can get kind of sweat. Wait, get off my phone. Jesus. Jeez. Ah, I mean, I, I can't even I can't even do a show. Okay, good. She's off the phone here. All right. We should probably get out of here on that note. Mike at KMGX.com is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. You want to drop me a comment, question, suggestion, anything like that for the program, of course, that is the email address. You know, no one has ever commented on my hair before or my girlish figure. Um, all right. I, I just want to know how you keep getting back on my phone. I'm the head of Homeland Security. I can do anything I want. <laughs> Except enforce the border. All right. I'll remember that. Okay. okay. Anyway, um, we'll be back tomorrow. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That's the screen name. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. I'm a woman. Uh, and of course, michaelgroff.com for all things uh, Michael Groff related. If you want to host a best of edition of the Michael Groff Show, or if you'd like to co-host uh, this program, you can certainly do so. Just send me an email as well to mike at kmgx.com. You can also drop us a, a donation, everything like that. You know how it works. We do this show, uh, well, we we theoretically do it as often as possible. Uh, you know, a few times a week anyway. We're like a married couple once a week, whether we like it or not. And thanks to CJ for his bumper suggestions for the program tonight. And if you have any that you'd like to pass along, just send a little list as well. And we'll play those too. See, I told you, this is your show and you're taking over. All right? You're kind of like, well, you're kind of like a, a certain Secretary of Homeland Security that's... You know I'm a woman, right? Yeah. Okay, we know. You're a woman. We got it. Okay. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Seriously, I have a vagina. Seriously, I have a vagina.